do 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 do. That's the sound of a dude that's maybe whistling like a fool near a precipice. Maybe, uh, maybe that's what we're doing, friends. Today's show, ill-advised, perhaps. We're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about vaccinations. But I'll tell you what. On this podcast today, we're in the midst of a series on nutrition, stuff you're putting into your body. And we know darn well that one of the big questions that everybody's asking is, should I get vaccinated? Should we mandate vaccines? What should we teach about vaccinations? In our communities, should we urge them? Should we enforce the mandates? Friends, terrible idea to talk about this. No one, you're not going to make any friends, or at least you're going to alienate a good number of people. But friends, listen to me. I love you. Stacy loves you. We are not here to convert you at all about uh, what you think about vaccination right now. Uh, We are going to share what we've decided to do related to vaccinations, but really this is a show that's not about vaccinations at at the heart of it. It's a show about what it means that we're in this place culturally where we do not trust each other. We do not trust science. We do not trust the government to guide our decision-making related to these healthcare decisions. And it's a time when people in the military and in the police forces, teachers, people in the hospitals, all around the world, people are trying to wrestle through what it means to balance individual liberty with our community responsibilities, to balance my own insights about my own health and what uh, the governmental groups want to say about it. And most importantly, it also intersects with religion. How does religion play into the way we've been narrating this controversy about whether or not vaccines are the right way to go and whether they're worth imposing on other people? Friends, it's really about decision-making in life. I hope you have a little fun with it. Again, we're gonna share with you our perspective, not to win you over, but to show you how poignant this moment is and maybe to show you ways to reframe the conversation, not about vaccinations, but about freedom, faith, and responsibility. I think it'll be a a worthwhile conversation, if nothing else. Thank you for being with us. Let's go. So, Stacey, I say it's kind of ill-advised, you know, but of course we have to talk about this. And why not? If, if, if this podcast is worth anything and if uh, we're talking about nutrition and health, boy, this is, this so is the topics, major healthcare issue. And so many uh, topics these days are so polarizing, yep. which is something also, you know, it's like you, you, you always have to kind of take a step back and then just say, why is it so polarizing? You right. know, so what is what is getting in there? Yes. That has made it that way. What is making us anxious? Bigger than it's bigger than a vaccine. What is making us angry? Mm -hmm. Stacy, just to get it out, because this is not really what it's about, but just to get it out, did we get vaccinated? Yes. Did we get vaccinated more than once? Yes. Do we think if you're a loved one and you're asking, you know, there's like there's pros and cons, I'm not sure. What's our general advice? If you're just asking us as friends. Our our general advice for some reasons that we'll also kind of yeah. mention or whatever is 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 to get vaccinated. Yeah, if you want to know, like largely um, when in doubt, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're saying you should do, um, so that you can help others and protect yourself. Well, and and I, we we see the way that since 
we largely depend on large groups or people close together yeah. for us to operate, right? The, right. It, we, and we can't seem to stop. or We're not nomadic people, and we no. can't isolate ourselves. We're, we're living with concerts and mass transit and urbanization and workplaces and churches where there's lots of people gathered together. People working closely in big warehouses or factories. And there's a lot of factory farming that puts animals really close together, which is why we have these pandemics ultimately. Right. The avian flu, the swine flu. Why are they these things? It's it's the mass-produced, close-quartered chicken and pork starts out there and it becomes the swine flu and it comes and hassles us. It becomes whatever it is, but many of these many of these pathogens that we're facing, if we look at it from a historical perspective, they really arise with the agricultural revolution with massive livestock production. And you can see how does this work? Well, in 1492, the Europeans uh, did not overthrow all these many, many people. It turns out there's lots and lots of people in North America through weapons. Mm -hmm. Now that helped, but there weren't that many Europeans and there were a lot of people that could do guerrilla warfare if they wanted to. The problem was a lot of them died pretty quickly because as some pigs got away from the conquistadors, then all of a sudden these pathogens start spreading everywhere. And every Native American encounter with the early uh, you know, co first contact narratives, right, right. The, the Europeans always say, wow, the complexion of these Native people is very good. They are very handsome or pretty mm -hmm. and their skin is really good. And then the... The Native Americans always said, boy, these these Europeans look really disgusting because they're all shriveled up there. Their diets are bad, so they're like they're shorter. Their faces are all pocked because of smallpox. Mm. And then quickly thereafter, the no, European pathogens came to the rest of it. But what did they bring? You know, it's like, is it racism? Is it domination? Is it empire? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with empire comes a different way of dealing with nature and food production that has these implications. Right. And so there's, there's that side of it. Right. There's also the side um, that I feel very strongly about as a death doula, that people do have the rights over their own body and what they want to do with their decisions, with yeah. their medical decisions, you know, that, <clears throat> that how, how they, you know, how they want to die. Right. Like right. if we often sometimes will make decisions for our loved ones, right? I right. think that the dying person should have the right to make their own decisions. So right. I very How aggressively do you want to treat a, so, a terminal illness? Right. What, know, yeah. what, what kind of medical care do you want? 100%, right. Do you want to take naturopathic stuff? Then you should have the right to do it. Do you, you know, do you want morphine or no morphine? I mean, that all the different things come, you know, come about. And I think that a person should have the ability and the right to make their own decisions of what happens yeah. over their own body yeah, and that to cause somebody else to either be forced to suffer or to have to undergo something that isn't, if it's, you know, if, especially if it's not something that is going to immediately harm somebody else, right? you know, that I, I feel like they have that right and ability. <clears throat> But now it's interesting. You can hear Stacy's got a little bit of a cold. We've been fighting this thing. We've been fighting this thing um, on and off for a little while now. And it's uh, we got which, three three COVID tests, and which it's is fine. also why, <laughs> to be honest, we also knew with the COVID test, we are we are we are living in you know an environment close to students and con constantly interacting with right. a larger 
group of people that you see various students right. throughout the week and and they order, play on sports teams and they go, you know, right. yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to affect their ability to play, you know, their soccer, baseball, mm. whatever game it right. is, or, or sing for mm. their, you know, in theater, mm. you know, or uh, in their, in the music program or, mm. perf- you know, obviously, uh, participate in theater, all that stuff. Like we don't want to affect the students being able to congregate and gather as they need to, to accomplish what they want. And so it just makes sense for us to protect ourselves and the people that we are living with and amongst right, to go ahead and get the vaccine. That's why we do it. But then again, so you say we, so we're balancing these things out. There's this, the, the importance of the community. There's an importance of our own autonomy, our desire to protect other people and their autonomy. And this very poignant piece, we've had people close to us in our circles that have died from COVID, but I've had people in our circles uh, or loved ones of those people who had a bad reaction. I just have to be, be very clear about this. I have a colleague who is and refused to get the vaccination. And uh, we were kind of giving him trouble about this. Mm-hmm. But then a family member almost died mm-hmm. from a reaction to the vaccination. So when we administer something, we feel like we have more of a, uh, an obligation or some kind of uh, implication in it. Let me give you a, an example. There's a famous ethical story or a, a thought experiment. It's the trolley experiment. And the idea mm. is imagine you're in, you're in uh, San Francisco and you're operating a lever that will shift uh, the trolley from one track to the next. And you see that there is a trolley coming down the hill and its uh, brakes are not working. And there are 150 people, say, uh, that are affected there. And if you don't do something, and I think maybe 150 people, let's just make it uh, 60 people. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know how many people fit on those little trolleys. But if you, um, if you don't do anything, if you don't switch the lever, then these people will fly uh, straight into the water and they will die and drown. So 50 people are going to die unless you pull this, this uh, handle. But if you do, it will divert it onto a track where there is uh, one homeless guy sitting there having a sandwich. And that person will die. So what you have to do in a split second is you have to make a decision. There's no way to warn him. You can't warn him. Would you, would you sacrifice that one guy for the well-being of, of this other larger group of people? Maybe there's a couple babies in there. Okay. Most of my students, not always, but most of my students would say... I'm going to switch the lever to, 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 to save the larger number of people for the sake of the, you know, for the sake of the greater good. But if I reverse the story a little bit or I change the story up a little bit, um, imagine that the same scenario is happening, but now you're not holding the controls, but you're on a bridge. You're on a bridge above the um, uh, the the train tr- you know the the trolley track, and sitting there having a sandwich on the bridge is a very obese person that has enough body mass to stop the trolley from careening into the sea right into the bay. Would you push that heavy person onto the tracks to stop those people from dying? The result's the same: one person dies, fifty people or more are saved. And in that case, almost always the students 
say, uh, no, I would not push the person. And I think intuitively we don't want to because we don't want to be the person that causes the harm. Right. We're not going to do something active. We're not going to hurt somebody, even if it means something greater. Well, also the real, I mean, the other thought too is, you know, the, maybe the inclination that some might have that they're not, they didn't cause the situation. So they're not going to pull or not pull the, le- mm. the lever say mm. that the world somehow has caused this situation. Yeah, that's what option. You could just get out of it altogether. And that you're just going to be an observer of what life is playing out. I think, though, that there is there. That's a kind of an easy way out of it. Well, as uh, as the the band Rush, the Canadian uh, rock and roll band Rush uh, sang once, um, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yes. Right. Right. So, so that, given that, I recognize that anybody, especially my friend who's had a loved one come close to death because of a COVID vaccine, it may be rare, but it was a real thing. And you don't want to be the person that took your kids in and there was a complication or your, your, your loved one and your wife, your uncle or whatever, to the doctor, got the shot, and then all of a sudden something bad happened. On the other hand, we've had cases where people refuse to get the vaccine and they've died. Yeah. And so that sucks too. And in many cases, the numbers seem to suggest that that's more of a, of a risk. So what, what do we care about? Well, dear friends, we care about you. Mm-hmm. We care about all of us. Mm-hmm. That's a struggle, right? That's a painful thing. And I, I've talked about this before. It really, when you go back to vaccinations, this is an old, old question. Yeah. Really, what it starts out with is vaccinations come from the pus of, you know, the 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 skin lesions of smallpox patients and they're going to inject that into people because it's a weakened form of the disease and it's going to help you not die, but there's always a chance you'll die from it. So it is a gamble. And some people rejected, you know, whether it was okay to put something else foreign like that Mm -hmm. into their bodies. Um, some people are just disgusted out by yeah, like where they what came was from. happening. And sometimes know? today people don't uh, want vaccinations. Maybe they're vegans and they don't like the the fact that it's using eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they're uh, very, very serious about life beginning at conception and they don't want any fetal tissue to be used in the manufacture of the, um, of the vaccination. There's a lot of ethical issues that go into right. it. But ultimately, since the beginning, there have been these concerns very often the people that were concerned about vaccinations would be religious people, indigenous people, religious people that had been persecuted by the state, mm-hmm. indigenous people that had gotten a bad deal from the state, um, and just people generally skeptical about government and the ability of science to really know what's going on. I mean, you know, not too long ago, scientists were thinking a good thing to do is get like, you know, blood taken out of you. Right. You know, so yeah, like, leeches, I, leeches need, I need some blood. Way. You can take the blood out of me. This ain't no good. So there's, there's reasons to be concerned about it. But ultimately, you know, this has been on and off. I remember when I was a kid, uh, you know, especially with my, my parents hanging around kind of the back to nature kind of hippie types. Mm-hmm. Uh, very often they wouldn't want to get involved in these unnatural things. We know, like, we think Mike Love is uh, opposed to vaccinations. We know Mike Love's uh, wife and we uh, mentioned as, different, as my one of my favorite, favorite artists. Uh, artists right now. Really respect him. Some of my favorite students have been, you know, writing me notes saying, hey, you know, I just don't believe the COVID narrative, right? Yeah. So people that we really, really love and respect 
we still love and respect, and maybe we're wrong yeah. about whether it's the move. Right. We're simply saying for us, we think the gamble, it's a better gamble to be safe. It's a better gamble to be safe, especially if you're a food server or something like this, to, to not pass things on. We're going to get to some of the more nuanced pieces to it. But again, we really recognize that there have been these problems with the government doing something that's not in our best interest, but maybe the best interest of the civilization or the empire itself. Right. right? And then we've got very clearly a, uh, an article that showed very low to no uh, uh, scientific merits saying that vaccinations were causing autism. Mm-hmm. Now, again, maybe we're missing something. There's a whole conversation out there about it. But as far as I can tell, it's pretty clear that this was uh, an article that got into people's heads. It eventually was rejected by anybody who knew what was going on in the science. And yet, um, that just the thought of it. Once you plant that, oh man, that's head, scary. Really I don't, hard. you know. I mean, even just the same thing. Your your age old thing, mm. Jeff. What color is your blood? Mm. Well, the blood's red, but all my science teachers thought it was blue because they had heard it somewhere. And even though it wasn't in the science textbooks, they did have Gray's Anatomy that had the the, the veins and the arteries col- colored red and blue. So they just went with it. And back when, you know, when I was younger, I mean, it was just a given. You that know? your blood was blue. Yeah. So who is to really feel confident in the way science goes? So, hey, we're not here to solve that problem for you. I mean, there's people that are going to do that for you. We're just saying, if you look at the evidence properly and objectively, we think that it's, it's good to get vaccinations. What gets us into trouble? And this is where it becomes really interesting. That's why we say this is not really a show about vaccination. It's really a show about something really deep and, and different. And um, there's a lot of stories I could tell to kind of illustrate this, but I just want to think about one. One student, we were so, uh, actually two students getting married. We were excited to catch up with them. And we're just asking him how it's going. And I come to find that this student is opposed to getting the vaccination, uh, the COVID vaccine, mm-hmm. uh, and, and doesn't, doesn't want to do it, um, but also is interested in becoming a military chaplain. And I said, what will you do if you get into the chaplaincy and you uh, come to have this order you're ordered mm-hmm. to, um, to, to get a vaccine if mm-hmm. you want to stay in your role. And what would you think I would tell you? What do you think my advice would be to you if you're a military chaplain and you're supposed to uh, make this decision? What did he say? Oh, he thought that, I mean, that you would respect the person's right to, of choice, right? Yes. Because you very much... You know, you want, you, we do believe in in freedom. You should think what you think you should think. Do what you think you should do. Feel what you feel. Follow your conscience. All those things. That's it. That's like, that's core to what not only I think, but this is what the podcast is about in many ways. So he was surprised when I said, no, 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 you got to get a vaccine. If you're going to be a military chaplain, you have to get a vaccine. If you're going to be in the military, you got to get a vaccine. And why? If you are a police officer, you got to get a vaccine. For the same reason that Jesus said, show me a coin. Whose face is on the coin? Caesar's? Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's. On your contract, who are you working for? Are you working for the state? 
then you've got to do what the state wants. You have another option. You can resign. Mm -hmm. You can resign because your conscience can no longer uh, allow you to submit to this thing that you think is uh, immoral or unwise, unhealthy, or you want to do it in protest. But here's the thing. If you're going to be a stormtrooper, you got to put on the white outfit. Now, I do know yeah. that there are several, you know, there are several lawsuits out there because our, our sure. government has mandated. Sure, there may be. All of them. So there are lawsuits of now people trying to uh, protect their right within the system. Maybe they right? say it's unconstitutional. But I mean, ultimately, I think maybe you could get out of it. Maybe there could be legislation passed. Maybe certain politicians are going to get in and step in. But at a fundamental level, at a fundamental level... If you think you get to have autonomy over your body, but you're in the business of going out for the war machine, right. you don't get that autonomy. If they say, we need you to get vaccinated, get on a boat with a bunch of dudes, get out there, and you're going to expose yourself to certain chemicals, sorry, that's the deal. Right. That's the deal. That's why we honor the service people and with with these ceremonies and badges and, and so forth. But and they're, what happens, they're risking. And what happens to those... That are, say, in the army and aren't vaccinated? Well, if they, if they hold to it, if, if, if the Biden administration holds to it, if the Pentagon holds to it, th they will be discharged. No, but I mean, yeah. the idea that you, like you had mentioned that like you can't, like the army will die of COVID. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's get to the, get to the why. Right. So, okay. So, so, but I mean, I'm saying forget about the reason, forget just for a moment about the reason why the vaccination, um, would matter. It doesn't matter even if it's a bad idea. This is what I'm trying to say. A lot of my friends are authoritarian in their framework. Mm -hmm. I'm not using this even as a bad thing, but they, 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 they value hierarchy, uh, obedience to chains of command and lines of authority, except for now. Right. right. Some of the same people that really love hierarchy and rank and authority are in the military, are in the police force, are in uh, civil service, in government, um, and, and so forth. And they think that they're freer than they are. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm trying to tell you, dear listener. I'm trying to use the vaccination question as a thought experiment. Who owns you? Yeah. And who owns your body? Does the church own your body? Does the government own your body? Does your spouse own your body? Do you own your body? And to what extent can you use your body in ways that are reckless for others? These are, these are tough questions. Now, go back. We kind of touched on it. Here's our thesis. Should you get vaccinated? We think it's wise to get vaccinated. Um, do we respect you if you want to not get vaccinated? Yes. What do you do if you want to not get vaccinated? You've got to join us, Stacy and I, mm -hmm. in asking whether or not we ought not start to disentangle ourselves from some aspects of the system, right? The system as the system. This is what I mean when I, when I point to what Jesus is saying. Jesus isn't saying that taxes are great. Jesus is saying if you want to play the game of the state, if you want to be part of Babylon, you got to be part of Babylon. If you don't want to be a part of Babylon, that's fine. They might kill you. They might ostracize you. You might be poor, right? Like that's mm -hmm. what they called our first church in Jerusalem. They were the poor. Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of your choice. And the first two centuries of the church, they did just that. The first two centuries of the church, it was pretty much unthinkable that you would join the military and be a Christian, that you would be part of 
the state system. Do you want Pilate, Pontius Pilate's job? How could you have Pontius Pilate's job and also be a follower of Jesus? That's this, that's this struggle, right. right? But here is the reality. In another sense, you have to get vaccinated if you want us to survive. Maybe not for COVID, but another, pa- this is just a test run. At some point, another pathogen will come. May it be something like the, the Black Death that kills uh, a third of the population or more, uh, or something like uh, the, the, you know, uh, Nile, was like Nile fever and the Nile flu. What was mm-hmm. it that, that way back? So like some people have some pretty serious... It was West you know, Nile virus. West Nile virus, right. So um, it'll be these things, but something really bad could happen. So what happens if a new pathogen comes in a few weeks that is killing people at a rate of like 80%? So 80% of people who get this virus die, but there's a vaccine. Well, we should probably figure out now whether we should get a vaccine or not, mm-hmm. right? And the, and the answer is, if we want civilization as it is to continue, you have to get vaccinated. I'm not saying you have to get vaccinated because the government says so. I am saying if you want to put a big city together that operates the way we operate with the people as dense as they are, then these pathogens will spread. And so... We have to get vaccinated if we're going to survive in this world, okay? For the same reason that I don't like having we, – we're not eating meat right now. But if we did eat meat, we definitely would stick with ethically raised animals, which are also animals not packed in tight on each other. Right. We would also want meat that doesn't have hormones in it. We also want meat that doesn't have – a poop ton of vaccinations. But guess what you got to do? If you want to be anti-vax for your animals, you're out of work, mm. right? If you're anti-vax and you're a pig farmer and you've got just a ton of pigs crammed in a, in a, in a you know, like a big, uh, you know, storage type unit. Or your dairy cows. Or your dairy cows all stuck together. You will lose revenue. You will be out of business if you don't take the right precautions to keep everybody together. Now, my friends, this is the deep question for you. Are you like that cow? Are you a free-range chicken? Or are you in a little tiny cage next to a bunch of other chickens that are coughing on you? If you're in the tight chicken cage and you want to keep living in the tight chicken cage, you're going to have to get hormones and vaccinations. If you want to be free, you've got to get outside of that structure of being. Now, we believe that Jesus points to a way that might give us an alternative to the, a kingdom of God that is maybe not dependent on the beast, mm-hmm. the mark of the beast, Babylon, empire, and all this. But you are, you are right to join the empire. Okay. We're not even going to look down on you. Maybe we're stupid, we're wrong. But all I'm saying is, if you want to join the empire, you got to wear the clothes of the empire. You got to put your hands in the right direction when the empire tells you to, and you got to kneel when the, when the emperor uh, throws the, uh, the, the, the music on and you got to make a sacrifice. This is the whole problem for the early church. The reason they got persecuted wasn't because they believed that Jesus was the son of God. They got persecuted because they said they had no king but Christ. They would be dutiful members of society. They would not violently overthrow the government. They would not attack the government. They would be good citizens, but they would not kneel to Caesar. And what's so hard about this or interesting about this conversation about vaccines is 
I really do want people to get vaccinated, but there's also part of me that really almost is proud of in a weird way and inspired by people saying, maybe I want to take healthcare into my own hands and my community's hands so that you would get together as a smaller group. Like if we think about like, you know, chapter 80 of the Tao Te Ching, the perfect village or the, the ideal society is a small village with direct ownership of the resources and the community by the community, not some centralized state, not some empire over it. You know that there's people with their dogs barking and their chickens clucking and their roosters crowing across the valley. You can hear them, but you don't go over there to fight with them. Or try to take their Or don't take their or... stuff. <laughs> and you're not just building up this, uh, this uh, agriculturally, re- you know, uh, non-resilient kind of, uh, non-sustainable kind of world. If you're part of a big army, you're going to have to be vaccinated. But do we have to have big standing armies or can we have people defending their own physical safety in a more libertarian way where um, we do not commit acts of aggression? We do not go out and build empires. We respect the autonomy of villages and a village can say, hey, we're closed off to non-vaccinated people Mm. or, hey, come on in. This is a free for all. You know, I mean, that's what's great. But the idea that people have or the or the suspicion of government is what's at stake. And we've been talking about this idea, you know, of, of, of Jesus anarchy uh, and what that would look like in terms of society. Jesus anarchy uh, as a kind of political way, like a Christian anarchy way of thinking about it, isn't to say that we're going to revolt against the government right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's literally just to say, I am questioning the foundation upon which it rests. I'm questioning the foundation that, said that like there's going to be a state church and that they're going to persecute us Mm. if we don't fit what the state church believes. Right. So uh, there's a long tradition of this, of uh, the, you know, the Baptists, whatever, wanting a wall of separation between the church and state for their own protection. Mm -hmm. And I think we're kind of getting back into that zone. Right. Now, last thing, the question remains now for, for instance, some mainstream Protestants like Lutherans, like confessional Lutherans. Mm-hmm. I just want to read um, uh, article 16 of the Lutheran confessions. And it is, um, uh, it is on civil affairs or on the government really is what it is of civil affairs. The Lutheran churches teach that lawful civil ordinances are good works of God and that it is right for Christians to bear civil office, to sit as judges to judge matters by the imperial, that's the empires, and other existing laws, to award just punishments, to engage in just wars, to serve as soldiers, to make legal contracts, to hold property, to make oath when required by the magistrates, to marry a wife, and to be given in marriage. What they're saying is something that not all Christians in America believe, that the state and the family are kind of tied together, and so is the church. And in fact, you did have this. The Lutherans were called magisterial reformers. So were the Anglicans, so were most reformed. That is, the churches were reformed by the magistrate, by the government, not by priests, not by theologians. They were hired by the consist- or the, the civil government of, of Geneva or Zurich, or, or Wittenberg or whatever, like, you know, uh, there's this, uh, the, the case of Wittenberg, it was the, literally the, the prince, mm. the, the, the elector Frederick. So the reason this matters is anybody prior to Luther who was challenging the system, mm-hmm. they get 
killed. Like, <laughs> like uh, what's his name? Uh, Jan Hus. Uh, Hus. The Hussites uh, kind of are proto-Lutherans. But because they did not have the backing, because Jan Hus did not have the backing of his prince, he ends up getting burned at the stake. Luther basically says something very much like what Jan Hus said, but he gets protected because of this old jurisdictional question. And so his elector, Prince Frederick, helps him out. And because of this, Luther has to stay in good grace, the good graces mm-hmm. of the magistrate. Otherwise, they're going to get um, drowned like the Anabaptists. The problem is a lot of people got excited about Luther, and a lot of these people were oppressed, poor, downtrodden. And they thought that what Luther, Luther's point was also set them free from their servitude to the empire, set them free from the servitude to landowners, to, lo- to, to landlords, mm-hmm. to, to the manor house. And they revolted. Now, we are, I call myself a Shaolin pacifist only because of like a, the Kung Fu, which is, I'm going to sit here and meditate, but if you need to come into the monastery to rape and pillage, I'm going to, you know, kick your head with my, with my roundhouse, you know? <laughs> in other words, I'm not against defensive violence, but I am definitely against um, the, the way of um, violent revolution. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the Christian message. I understand that it's a complicated things, and sometimes I, I wonder if I'm, if I'm too dogmatic about it. I certainly kind of like the, the angle of, of Dietrich Bonhoeffer that says, I'm generally a pacifist, but sometimes you're going to have to take out a, a Hitler when they come along, right? Just every once in a while, you set aside your general pacifist beliefs, but you don't, or you override it, but you don't just ignore it. Mm-hmm. You say, I'm going to override it. Normally, I don't take violence, you know, but like in this case, I would. But for the most part, really, the, the way of Jesus is to say, I'm not with you Sadducees and collaborators with Rome, and I'm not with you zealots who want to violently overthrow Rome. We're going to just say no to it. We're going to just choose a different way. In other words, Jesus would be saying something like, hey, you get your Pharisees and your Sadducees. You get your Democrats and your Republicans. What if we just said, no thanks, neither please. I don't want money. I don't want power. I don't want glory. I reject all of them. Well, and that's that's the big thing for me is that I, I see the government, it doesn't matter really which side of it. It's, it seems like, you know, everybody's struggling after money and power and possibly glory. But I would, yeah. I would almost even say money and power are... Well, I think that the glory huge. part comes in with the church, right? So, like, if you're a church person and you're in the halls of power that you want to saddle up alongside it, right? So mm-hmm. there's some evangelical leaders that I've known... Sometimes they've been my nemeses, like, uh, well, I won't name names, but um, these evangelical leaders that want to forsake the way of Jesus for whatever the state wants, whether it's on the right or the left, so they get a seat at the table. They want access. They want to be important. And Some people want money, so they're business people that saddle up with government and church, and some people want power, so yeah. they saddle up with the business to get the money and then the church to get the votes. It's a, it's a cabal of the three. And so... I think that once um, once those things are are behind the main forces driving people to make certain decisions, then unfortunately their selfish wants and desires and maybe call them even idols or whatever it is will get in the way of often the right thing right. to do or what might be more sustainable for a greater portion of the population, right? you know, those kinds of things. And so when, when we see a world where 
um, you know, we're making so many decisions that will ultimately definitely put some individuals here at the very bottom of society with really no way of even being able to live life out the way that they, you know, just with their own autonomy, like just like with being able to enjoy the things that, you know, not having like you can eat, right? Right. Like just certain things where I think people have some basic rights. And I think that people often are willing to tread on or people are often willing to make sacrifices and in a, in a way that is unnecessary. We throw away more food mm-hmm. than like we, so much food that we could be feeding everybody with the right. food that we're throwing away. But we don't like, we still continue along this path and there's people that are still starving. I, I, I think everybody kind of deserves a, a fair shot of yeah. this life. We're crushing the poor. We're crushing the, the earth. We're dooming ourselves. And and we and why? I'm, I'm looking at it because money and power and glory are driving the decisions of few the few individuals that are, are powerful enough to make those decisions. Right. Um, or have the ability to for whatever reason, you know. Um, and and that so many people are suffering because of that. And it, it almost makes me say, like if you know, you're if you when you come into this world when you're born into this world don't you want a fair shot of being able to to live it and enjoy it yeah and your children and your that's what i'm saying though but yeah. i'm like so I, you know i'm think of it even like just the very a very person just entering into this world right. your child or not or somebody's child or yourself <laughs> does that child do you deserve a right mm. to live it and enjoy it yeah. And, and I mean, as long as you're not hurting other people, right? Like I, I get, I get that we need, mm. you know, we need to make sure that, um, yeah, again, that's the whole point. <laughs> These other people can be living their lives. Right. But the politicians right now seem to care. It's bigger than, they don't care about, um, the people anymore. It seems right. You know, and there's some other agenda that they are, are, are serving and that often it's profit money. Yeah. yeah. What I'm saying is, is that all of these things come into play and we're hurting people. And I don't, I don't think that's a, a, a like, I, I don't trust. That's not what Jesus would have us do. Yeah. I don't trust a system that, that, that is out there just to benefit a few folks and to make the rest of everybody suffer. Right. So in this, to stay with this, this, uh, chapter 16 of the Augsburg confession, I'll continue the Lutheran churches then condemn the Anabaptists, that's the radical reformers, who forbid these civil offices to Christians. Mm-hmm. Now, I like, you know, I, I've always read over that and say, I don't like this this weird, almost kind of culty thing where I don't like any group forbidding me to do things. So from that perspective, I'm saying, no, if I want to go be a mayor, I can. So I get that. But what they're condemning is something that I never really understood until this vaccination thing started to make sense, which is... Um, it, 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 when you're just kind of saying, can I have like normal jobs? Yeah, you can. And the, and the, the Anabaptists were saying, you're not even allowed to be part of the system at all. And they were kind of giving second class status to any Christian that would be part of the government in any way. You can't do that. And I don't think that's the point of it. You're not going to kick somebody out for being in it. But I think, 
I never really thought about till now. Is there a time when, at least in certain empires, would you not join? Right? right. At some point, uh, when you got the Death Star blowing up planets, maybe you could say, I have to get out of the system altogether. Right. Well, and, and that's really the key question. Here's the other. I mean, here's the other piece, too. And this was like, you know, when you really like think some of these things through. So, for instance, your student that wanted to be a chaplain. I mean, that sounds like a very noble cause. Right. Now, if he chooses to do it with a certain affiliation with a certain denomination and that certain denomination says he's not supposed to, or she or whoever, but that person's not supposed to pray with another individual with a different belief system. So for instance, Lutheran church, Missouri synod or Wisconsin synod chaplains have a difficult time because how can you do your job that you're being hired for by the state? If you are not allowed to pray with the people that are working for the state. And that's why you are being hired to be there with them in that capacity. What if the government makes you give communion to a Methodist and you don't want to give communion to Methodist? Well, you have to think these things through and say, well, wait, I mean, I, now I would, I, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't give communion to the Methodist, but what if you think that you shouldn't? Right. And pick where you're serving and think of the whole implications of what this is and what it means when you're, when you're, figuring out your your theological denomination affiliation when you're thinking through who is your employer and what does that mean right there's so many different things that you're gonna have to take into i guess you know if you really think about it think it all through to see what are the implications of it i think it's what the hard part is is that it's so easy to maybe ignore the the lever (laughs) And let life play out and then just say, my job isn't lever pulling. My job is to make sure that the rails are fixed. And then you just ignore everything else. And you ignore everything else. I'm just saying you have to look at the whole picture. But you're only as ethical as... Your your choices, I I would say. So if you you get yourself into a spot where your choices are to kill these people or to kill those people, but you don't want to kill anybody, then you've backed yourself into a bad ethical corner that you don't want to be in. Right. Does that make sense? And so I think that's what like a lot of the radicals were about. Now, listen, the radicals were nutty sometimes. Sometimes they were violent radicals, and sometimes they would uh, get into polygamy and behead people. And so I know that that's behind this. People at the time of the writing of this uh, Augsburg Confession were really worried that the Lutherans were going to lead to Christian anarchy. And the Anabaptists said, yeah, of course the gospel leads to Christian anarchy because they saw that Jesus pointed to Christian anarchy. Jesus says, don't um, be a part of the system, essentially. Um, Don't resist it violently, but kind of do these little things to kind of subvert the, the principles behind it. The Anabaptist then saying, I'm going to follow Jesus instead of everybody else. Jesus says, don't call anybody father, so I'm not going to call the Catholic priest father. Jesus says, do not swear an oath. Let your let yes be yes and your no be no. So they say, I'm not going to go and swear an oath to the, the government as an as a, as a army soldier. Right. They refuse to sign the oath. I even had, when I was a, at a, a dean of theology at Colorado Christian University, I had a, a really tr- tricky situation where there was a, a very uh, uh, earnest Christian believer who was, I think, Mennonite. He was part of the peace tradition. He was an Anabaptist. And he wouldn't sign the statement of faith. He says, I believe the statement of faith. What is in the statement of faith, I believe. But as an Anabaptist, I'm not going to sign it. 
And I thought that was interesting because he obviously had more integrity than some people that might want to sign it just to get the job. Right. And so there's that interesting, interesting piece of it. Let me continue with the uh, the article because it's a little, you know, I don't want to bore people, but this is just to f- finish it. So the Lutheran churches also condemn those who do not place evangelical perfection, that is what's the, go- the perfection of the gospel, in the fear of God and in faith, but in forsaking civil offices. And I agree with that, right? The gospel isn't just like you're saved by not being part of the system. However, so I, I agree with that. What's interesting about it though is um, the idea that all it's about is, you know, believe in God, have the right doctrine, and it's not going to affect your political entanglements. Right. And that's an interesting thing that I think should at least cause us to pause with respect to the vaccination thing. And then it says, the gospel teaches an eternal righteousness of the heart. Meanwhile, it does not destroy the state or the family. So the confessions here are like really establishing the legitimacy of the state, the legitimacy of family values. You know, I, I, I believe in loving your family. What's interesting is, um, and I'm more, I've always been more libertarian, and I've always been wondering, do we want the state to enforce Christian values related to marriage and family, though? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the American dance has always been, to Conservative Christians want the government to dictate what marriage is. That's a, okay, you could do that, but then you still have to get vaccinated. You see what I'm saying? Right. If I get to tell you, if I get to tell other people who get, who, who they get to marry, mm-hmm. if I get to tell other people whether they should have birth control covered or not by their employer right. or whatever, right? I also have these other things that come along with it. Does that make sense? Right. Um, if I want the state to, to dictate what marriage is, how can I say that the state can't tell me whether I should get vaccinated if it knows better? Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it does now, but what if it doesn't in the future, right? So check this out. Um, the gospel very much requires that they be preserved as ordinances of God, what the state and the family say, and that charity or love be practiced in such ordinances, so you be nice about it, uh, loving. Therefore, but this is the key, Christians are necessarily bound to obey their own magistrates and laws, save only when commanded to sin, for then they ought to obey God rather than men. And then they quote Acts 7. Now here's the deal. They do leave this option to say, at some point, you may have to not obey the government. I get it. But what I want to suggest is, and then I'll end with my thesis, and then we can talk through some other implications, that you're free to Operate with your own body how you want. If you are going to operate in a way that's putting other people's lives in danger, there may be restrictions on you. You might not be able to fly in an airplane, but you get to be free, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to opt out of the system, but if you want to be in the system, then you got to get vaccinated. And now I would suggest to you that if you believe in Article 16 of the Lutheran confession uh, known as the Augsburg Confession, I find it very difficult to see any way around the idea that if the government mandates that we get vaccinations, that we should get vaccinations, unless you can prove that this is against, you know, like this is a sin. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a big stress stretch. Is it dangerous? Maybe. Is it ill-advised for your health? Maybe. But this is the command of the magistrates. And now all of a sudden people are saying, well, in this case, I don't want to listen. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Friends, you don't get to do that. It's ultimately all or nothing. Now, if you say the government's doing great, except for the vaccinations, then I guess we've got another conversation. But 
I guess it would have to be related to like fetal tissue or something. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the but like like if. But I think sometimes that's duplicitous. I think sometimes people are trying to find angles around it to try mm-hmm. to get there. I think people, I think people's real concern is the right concern. When should we trust the government to tell us anything? And I'll tell you why. Uh, there's a reason not to be uh, always trustworthy. There have been some reports of cases where news media, um, government agencies have said, we're not going to report the negative side effects because that will play into the hands of the anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. That's a bad move. Right. Because then what it's saying is, oh, you're hiding some information from us on purpose. Mm-hmm. The minute you start hiding information from us on purpose, now I don't trust the research. What I'd rather people say is, you've got a, you know, a, a one in 100 chance of having a negative reaction. That's, your, that's the reality of the situation. Tell me what my real numbers are. Right. But when you don't tell people what the real numbers are, then you're getting in trouble. And then I guess this is my, the, the final... Not, and to know, be honest is what has been so frustrating about the whole handling of COVID in general is, yeah. you know, the, the misinformation or, or like most importantly, changing what they recommend to the people. Um, and not only just because, I mean, I understand the part that they didn't know better and then they learn more. Right. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are, were times like even in the beginning of basically spreading, you know, bad information about masks because they didn't want everybody running out and getting the, in, mm. <laughs> what is it, N95, whatever. Uh, the masks. The yeah. masks, right. right? And save those for the healthcare workers. Right. Well, don't lie to people and they tell lied them to us. that it's not going to do any good because then obviously, like, then why are you mandating masks later when we just have right. time to be able to create more masks yeah, and no make trust. them? You know, like those kinds yeah. of things, like you, you, it, it's unfortunate because yeah. it, it, it so like you just know that again that sometimes the state is looking out for certain individuals mm. and not everybody but at least share what the truth of it yes. is yes and they don't want to do that because nobody wants to hear that them themselves might be the ones that have to be sacrificed and be in danger yeah. for the greater good of somebody else. And this is why I'm a Christian anarchist in the sense that uh, I like to say Jesus anarchist because Christian anarchist has a, it's a like, other, a, you know, yeah. there's certain theorists like Jacques Ellul, uh, Bernard Eller, um, even to some extent, Karl Barth, you know, like they have different angles on it. I, I don't need to get into that. I'm just saying the, the Christian anarchist angle on this is to say what we should do is we should gather together and say, we need to have free associations of medical pro- professionals that we trust that are not ordained by the state because the state's never really worked in our interest. It worked in its interest. Yes. So the impulse of people not wanting to get vaccinations is really good. And then we say, well, what do you guys say? And what's the best, me- best method? And then secondarily to that, because we love our grandmas and our immunocompromised neighbors and because we want small businesses to continue to be able to operate, it's good for us to do this. Or it's good for us to say, if you're going to stay home and not get vaccinated, do that for the, for the common good. But you're doing it voluntarily. You're doing it in love for your neighbor because you know your neighbor. It's in a position of trust. CDC, well, that's a, the Center of Di- for Disease Control. Is this, is this going to be giving me government stuff that wants me to believe this or not mm-hmm. right you know when we were when we were growing up we were always kind of uh li- libertarians of the right you know um anarcho uh capitalist in a way um and i've shifted more towards being an anarcho socialist or an anarcho mutualist in the sense of saying you know i can't just look out for myself i got to look out for the refugees and and for my neighbors who are struggling financially and so forth you know 
but why? Because I want to. But you could do you could order your little village however you want. That's 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 great. But here's the thing: states, if they had an advantage they could gain on us, would take advantage of us in this way. But I don't think this is what's going on, right? Um, I think what's going on is that non-U.S. agencies are intentionally causing distrust here. Mm-hmm. Within. Within America to weaken America, yeah. both in terms of our healthcare system and in terms of our unity. Well, and, our, and our ability to operate and function as a country. We are not operating and functioning as a country right now. Th- this, is, this is not... A, we're not in a healthy state. Right. And this is exactly... So I believe that if our government wanted to call the population by 50% through vaccinations, they would maybe, but I don't believe that that's what's happening right now. I believe what's happening now is that there is disinformation, intentional disinformation going out and they know that it will work because of something else. This is another issue related to now, like kind of the church and state question of the church. American evangelicals have a very bad track record of, of believing scientists in their vocation. Mm -hmm. We have taught generations, at least two generations of evangelicals and conservative Christians not to believe scientists about evolution, about the age of the earth, about human sexuality, about climate change, about it, about all those other things. And now here comes vaccinations. We don't even know how to navigate science because we didn't believe any of the mainstream theories in the in the trenches of American evangelicalism, right? I think it was something like 40% of people in America that voted for John Kerry back in the day, a Democrat, did not believe in evolution. So you've got a large number of Americans that do not believe in the, the mainstream scientific consensus. But this is culty for us. It's dangerous for us. Because one of the things that makes me sad is that when you put all that together good reason to distrust the state plus no sophistication with respect to how to how to navigate what the evidence is plus a whole bunch of chatter from the right and the left on the news media that's that's kind of part of the system in some way it is impossible to other, really feel confident that you know what's going on and other people purposely sowing discord internally so that we all disintegrate from within yeah um and the other thing, too, when it actually you think about the vaccination um, or and, and say the disease itself or the, the virus is, unfortunately, we are maiming it. Mm-hmm. We're not eradicating it. Yeah. And we will either learn to coexist with this because I'm able to. We will micro evolve to be resilient against it, just like cockroaches. Or it will get stronger and we won't be able you know, it'll be harder and harder. It will become more difficult uh, to wrestle with it and to stop it. And and so that's the experiment that we're yeah. we're going to be in the midst of it. Will it become something almost like the flu? And some right. people choose to get a flu vaccine right. and other people don't. And then you may or may not get the flu. And we might, and maybe you're sick for a couple of weeks, but, you know, and you might be more likely to get pneumonia or some of these other things, but we can mostly coexist with the flu, right? right? It now we can. But I saying, mean, you know, there was the Spanish flu, right? Right. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is, COVID can become that, right? Like right. it could be a similar thing where 
we have these vaccines and maybe do an annual or more or whatever. We keep getting, you know, like they're doing the boosters now for some folks, right? It could be something like this. Or if it gets too strong, then it'll be, like I said, harder and harder to fight. So, and yep. viruses keep evolving too. Like they're going to keep changing. And so this one, it might it'll eventually learn. Like there's going to be the, you know, there could be the next thing. Like you said, if we don't make certain changes and learn from this one yep. way or another. We're not in a good position to know what to do when the next thing comes along. Or are we? Now, now let me, I want to walk you through different ideolo ideological perspectives on how I think that they would, con in a, in, to be consistent, play with the answer to what you should do. So I've already said, if you're a confessional Lutheran, I think you have to get the vaccine if the government mandates that you get the vaccine. You may have the right to petition the government through the natural processes, but ultimately, if it decides that that's what's going to happen, that's what you're going to have to do. You can opt out of that confession, but... Just like you could opt out of the military, um, you could do that, but you can't do both, right? Now, what about just secular economics? For this, let me turn us to Thomas Robert Malthus. Malthus, uh, from 1766 to 1834, get this, he was an English pastor, but he was also an economist. He dealt with political economy and um, demographics and so forth, and he wrote this book in 1798, called an essay on the principle of population. And basically what he said is war, famine, and disease are natural to keep us in check as a population. Mm. So what would he, in a certain sense, what he would say is if you get the vaccination and you allow the population to continue to grow as it's growing, we're just going to die from something else. We'll die from starvation We'll die from war because we're overcrowded and we're pissed off at each other. Whatever. I don't know. But war or famine or disease are going to keep us in check. Otherwise, we get out of hand, right? It's almost like these viruses are keeping us from killing ourselves in the long run as a species, right? Mm -hmm. This is – this Malthusian, this like dismal science of economics is kind of social Darwinistic in the long run. The idea is that there is that perspective. If you want to just think about it, not from a Christian perspective, not from any like political perspective, if we continue to factory farm and we have the massive population centers that we have around the world, we're going to continue to have these pathogens. And if we continue to fly around the world with our planes at really you know, quick speeds, if we live the way we're living, we have to get vaccinated or else we don't have to get vaccinated. Maybe it's best if we don't get vaccinated. And maybe this is why some people are saying, hey, let's just you know, just develop herd immunity, you're basically, it's kind of, to me, not getting vaccinated is kind of social Darwinist, mm -hmm. right? Who has the, 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 the medical care that can overcome this, who, whatever, or it, it's just, we're going to call the population well, and, and let the weak die. And basically what, what, what we've realized is when we shut down businesses and the government and everything, they can't continue to exist if people can't come into work. Right? So everybody needs the thing to keep going. Churches we're freaking out. Hey, we got to have everybody back in church, even if we're still in quarantine. We need church. We need we need the pews filled so that we can do our stuff, right? So everybody has a vested interest in the in the system continuing. But what if the system didn't continue? Well, then you have a different option. But for the economists, that's one thing. All right. What about vegans and the PETA crowd, right? Um, I'll link to it on the show notes. But PETA actually has an angle on this, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, vegans, vegetarians... 
are uh, worried about a couple things. One, they're worried about the eggs being used in production. If you're a hardcore vegan, um, we'll eat eggs, you know, if they're ethically raised. But um, uh, the ve- vegans, they won't eat eggs at all. And so a lot of the time, that's how you incubate these things, or that's, that's, how, you, that's how you manufacture um, the uh, vaccine. Not always, but that's, that's the way it is. And then um, often there's testing on animals, so PETA doesn't like that. But what PETA and the other you know, crews have done as, as, as they've been talking about this, I thought it was interesting. I looked it up. Basically, they're working on harm reduction. And so what they recognize is what we've recognized, that the reason that we've got this is the inhumane situation for animals anyway. That's what needs to be addressed far more urgently than whether an unincubated, an unfertilized uh, egg is is going to be used, you know? Mm-hmm. Um and I think the same thing is true kind of for people that are, um, you know, very much opposed to abortion. Um, they don't want to use fetal tissue in any way. I get this. But there's like these big issues going on. And uh, really, this is kind of the smallest in terms of like the, the human suffering or animal suffering. Uh, that's not really where it's at. That's kind of a technicality, it seems to me. And it certainly seems to be the case for PETA, right? PETA is against no. um, animal cruelty in all, all forms. But they're saying it's harm reduction. Right. Now, COVID is a specific virus. It didn't necessarily start through the animals, but that's how it can be spread. Well, it's very much or... a, it's a debated thing, but really it, it actually, if we go with the narrative that it starts with exotic foods in the wet markets of China, we've seen them, right? We, we were mm-hmm. cruising through China and there would be all sorts of different weird, you know, I say weird, like animals we didn't recognize in cages by the restaurant and then they would just pull them out and, eat, you know, and then you'd cook it up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's those animals all being there. They think maybe it was bat to pangolin or whatever. I, I don't, I'm not up to date on it, but yeah, it, it still was partly the animals they think. I just wanted to clarify that. Just yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, I think that's an important piece of it. So now what about Taoism, right? So I was thinking about this with Taoism. What do you, like, what do you think like the, like Lao Tzu would say about how to deal with the, the question of like mass vaccinations? Um, well, I would say that the Tao Te Ching would look at the reason that there is this problem in the first place and, and, like we're doing, yeah. and to say y- you might want to look at your practices that allow this to be that have, you know, that, and that nature will have a way of taking care of itself. And so really there's nothing to stress out about, really, right. Yeah. That, that how things are meant to play out, will and that the Tao will ultimately balance things out, balance things out. And (laughs) so if it means that more viruses come and more of us die to keep the human population in check, because, you know, we aren't caring about the resources, all of the things that, that make us all work, we all live together in community. Yeah. And when, when the whole balance is thrown off, then we will see the effects of it. And nature will find a way or the Tao will find a way because yeah. it's not necessarily just nature. Nature is part of the living things. Yeah, right. The Tao will find a way or it just does naturally yeah. to rebalance out whatever that is. Now, does that mean that the survival of the human population exists? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. You know, um, it, but it, it doesn't promise that humans will keep, <laughs> you know, yeah. living or whatever, but. It will all, one way, form or another, it will all 
balance and, out. And so this, I think you're totally right. Cause I think that's what I was thinking that the, the Tao Te Ching teaches me to say, I can't stress about it and try to like worry about fixing the problem at a global scale. Like I can't do it. Nobody can do it. Right. Mm-hmm. The question is, who are we? If we're as a human species, if we're willing to love each other in harmonious, ethical and healthy relations, and we want to treat our animals with respect and be healthy, we could probably do this. I want to continue to live as mm-hmm. a society. Is civilization worth it? If it's worth it, we've got to get better at it. Otherwise, we're going to lose it. If it's not worth it and people don't want to live together in love, then maybe it's time to let it run its course. And because eventually itself. those that are after money and power will keep grabbing money and power. It'll be something else. And those that don't have access to money and power will either continue to die or revolt yeah. in some way to we, fight for their life. We don't believe way. in violent revolt, I, but I we understand either. it But yes, I, when I, you're at the very bottom and you've got no hope. If you've got, I think that unfortunately, you know, when people feel like there is no, that they're, they're at the very bottom, there's no other recourse. There's nothing else they've tried and they've explored any other option that if that's if that's maybe all they got. I, I, I understand where that comes from. I just hope that we can hear the cries of the people right. before anybody feels like they have to turn to violence. Right. I'd also say that people are usually happy with the status quo until something that they love or care about gets jeopardized. Right. And so if the state is making decisions that protect you and your yep. status quo and ability. They give you bread and circuses. You get to watch your NFL. You get a couple cold ones in the fridge. Then maybe you yeah. know you're not you're not the one getting picked on now, right? So you can just let them do their business, right. and I can live my life, mm. you know, in in a relatively comfortable mm. state. But when Haitians are huddled under a bridge and have no hope, this is the first. Not, maybe not the first first, but this is like the storm crow, you know, there's, right. there's a like, storm coming and what are we going to do? We could do this in love. And, you know, I don't, it, it doesn't seem to matter who's in charge of the government, but we still put children in cages or have yeah. them in cages. Or ignore their health and well-being in a humanitarian level. The R- Democrats are doing it just as much as before. And Obama and was why? doing because more uh, drone strikes than ever. Because they don't care about the kind of person or the race of the, or whoever, the where that person's coming from. They don't care about necessarily their, their right as a, a human right to be able to live and exist in some sort of society because they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not living freely there, you know, like, and, and would you want to be born and know that you're just going to end up in a, as a child in a cage and separated from your parents? Yeah. So I actually think that the only way for humanity to be saved in a very concrete way is to follow the way of Jesus. I mean, this is from the bottom of my heart. I might be wrong, but I believe that following the way of Jesus, when we understand the least, the last and the lost, we don't try to lord it over each other, but we try to uplift each other, and we we are in in a state of of uh, loving relation with one another. Then we can survive this. But if we don't, we're going to kill ourselves. And it's not like I want us to kill ourselves, but we're like we're going to suffocate ourselves or blow ourselves up or something. But the way of Jesus is the only way. The way of non-retaliation is the only way we're going to get out of this. China's heating up. 
And Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It means like now. For those that think that just that something's going to happen magically at the end and for all of eternity, that might, that's that too. But there is something to be done right here, right now. But why does nobody want us to know this? Because everybody's going to have to shuffle a little bit if it's true, right? When I'm saying this, there's a part of it that probably rings true to you, dear listener. But there's another part of you that says, but what do I have to what do I have to lose? What do I have to give up? How is this going to threaten my comfort level? And goodness knows this is something we deal with all the time. All the it's time. been something we've been dealing with so much that I think it just made us really tired, tired and anxious in a way. But now kind of putting a name to it, I think it's helping us a little bit. We wrote this poem on Friday, basically together, but it was basically, I was writing this poem and then I asked you, quick, give me the prophecy on the door and I'll explain it in a second, and you, and you told me what the, the door should say. So I'm going to read this if you don't mind. It's called Trick and Treat, a poem. So this is a poem I set out to, to create existentially the scariest Halloween poem I could think of <laughs> along these lines, thinking about the Tao Te Ching, thinking about Jesus, thinking about politics. All these things are going on in our minds. Here's the poem. Wish to seek the truth? You shall find it. But I've got a warning for all you who dare to seek it. If you knock, the door will open, but then you'll face a new decision. You must choose between two more doors. One door leads to emancipation and the shedding of all fear through the radiance of love. The second door leads back to how it's been, but with the poignant awareness that you aren't forced to live this particular life. You chose this because door number one was too frightening. It had a sign that read, you must lose all to enter. So you didn't go in. And now as you fall asleep, you worry, have I committed the unpardonable sin? Which was the trick? Which was the treat? What is this loop? I find myself in. Anyway, Stacy wrote that part. You must lose all to enter. And the loop. <laughs> well, in the loop, yeah. But like, what did you mean by like losing all to enter? I mean, obviously, well, it's not I, all sadness and gloom. If you no, I, I think that, um, you know, when you're making these difficult decisions, sometimes you're going to walk away from your, you know, your your comfy job. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people in the government right now that are walking away from, from their jobs, right. Or any, anybody that's ma- being mandated for a vaccine, if they really you know stand behind it, they're going to have to make some difficult decisions. So for whatever, when, when your integrity and what you care about is at stake, you might have to lose There's a cost, your job in the police force. There's a cost and there, and, and your benefits. Right. And so it can be your retirement. It can be your benefits. It can be, um, you know, your home, the roof over your head, you know, currently it could be how you get food. Um, there could be, there's a lot to lose there. There's also a lot that when you, you know, talk about some of these things or start to follow this different way that Jesus was talking about, (laughs) unfortunately it ain't very popular. And then sometimes you will lose your communities and And your your friends. friends and because your friends either will join you in losing everything or we'll have to reject you right? because your very rejection of the system 
implicates them. Feels like a judgment on them. Right. And so you're either wrong or you get villainized or whatever, but they, it's, you have it's to. too painful sometimes for them to hang around and look at and be with you. Right. Because they're choosing a different yeah. way. So and don't even, they can't don't sometimes even worry go, about it. They sometimes can't go where you're going. Again, we would get vaccinated. But if you really believe that you shouldn't get vaccinated and you have to leave uh, the, you know, your, your fire department or whatever, um, recognize that people are going to maybe be mad at you. And Jesus does say, count They the will cost. hate you. Yeah, they will hate you if you follow me. Well, I'm not saying that Jesus is telling you not to get vaccinated. But I have said if you think that Jesus is telling you not to get vaccinated, then you shouldn't get vaccinated. Right. But that means you're going to be hated. Blessed are you, Jesus says, when men persecute you for my sake. Mm-hmm. So what you have to do is not ask the question, am I allowed to do this by the government? Remember, the, the other thing I would say about the Taoists, the Lao, Lao Tzu would say, legalism never worked. Yeah. This is the thing. Dear, dear progressives, dear pro- progressives, I want everybody to get vaccinated too. I think I'd rather society s- survive. I'm going to be voting. I'm on the... The, the, the push the button. I want society to survive. I believe that the only way society could at least survive now, at least we get a snooze button is if we take the vaccine or at least theoretically, because there might be other pathogens. But, um, but, but what, what I'm also hoping is if we survive that we can then rethink, reimagine society along the lines of what Jesus talked about, which ultimately, by the way, leads us to mutual aid, which is a Christian anarchist principle, which is to say, if you have loved ones, I'm just saying, this is funny that I'm giving advice to the anti-vaxxers. Friends, if you're anti-vaxxer and you have loved ones who know and you believe that they are doing the right thing by leaving their job, please um, find networks of support. What do they need? You know what I'm saying? Help them out. Give them a job. In other words, this is what the early church did. When people stood by their principles, they came to each other's aid. That's how you do it. Otherwise, nobody will do the right thing because ultimately they will all have their knees broken so that they bend the knee, right? Right. You know, it'll be non, uh, it'll be coerced. But again, to my progressive friends, notice how it's not working, Yeah. right? Legalism doesn't work. Demands don't work. Statism doesn't work. It's not just that I'm saying don't be a statist. I'm saying don't be a statist because it doesn't work in the long run. When it really is necessary, when we really need the centralized government to coordinate us, it's not very good at doing it anyway. <laughs> so like, you're like, oh, well, if, well, we, are, if, we, had, if we had autonomous uh, cities all around the country, if we had like autonomous like little counties where people had more direct – uh, control over their own lives, where there was common like parks that people put together, where there was a different healthcare system where people kind of pooled their resources and had a more functional and, and an appropriate healthcare system. But the only way this can be done is if you see your interconnection with the dude who's making your food, right? You love him, he loves you. So the, I would say that the Christian anarchist argument is you'd think Christian anarchists would say, I, I, don't, I don't follow any rules. No, you don't follow any rules imposed by the state or by some overlord. But we do realize that we're not going to survive. This is, this is part of the whole like, kind of theory, that, not really even a Christian anarchist thing, but um, uh, Kropotkin. Um, the, the idea is that we actually will survive as a species best if we work together. If we don't work together, we're going to die. Mm-hmm. We don't work together well when there's a centralized state that's half, like a couple thousand miles away. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, and, and they don't, yeah, they don't see the needs of a local community. They don't value sometimes even certain communities to exist or be, right? So there's, yep. they can make all sorts of decisions that affect these people because 
they don't really value what what those people care about or or what it means to their own existence or survival. And look around the world. A lot of people, it's not working. There's probably only one place where it's kind of working and you have to have like concentration camps and that is in China, right? The Uyghurs are like, hey, I don't really trust you because you're making me eat like non-halal meat and you're probably going to also give me, you know, something that's not good for me. I don't trust you. But China is pretty good at getting you to behave. So unless you want a real police state, you're going to have to reconsider whether or not the kind of uh, libertarian Christian model that I think is kind of embedded in the first century is the model. But friends, it doesn't matter. What we're trying to do, we're trying to help you think about this in a different way. We're trying to help use this question of vaccinations to reexamine our relationships at the local level, our engagement with the least, the last, the lost in our communities, and also to recognize the ways in which decentralized state governments, be they uh, centralized, like, you know, state capitalism, like China, which calls itself communism, um, with totalitarian regimes, like, like the Castro's in uh, Cuba, these horrific places, you don't want that at all. You don't want to live in a world where, you know, you got the Putins, you know, kind of telling people how to live in this authority. You don't want that. But that's the way you can go if you want to go statism. Another way to go is to re-envision the love that we have as a community because all we really want for you, friends, we really, seriously, we want you to have a deep freedom. We want you to be who you really are. And we think that when God wakes us up to our true humanity, this is when we can live in, in true love and, and, and community with one another. And so not only do we want you to be happy and free, we also wish you deep peace upon peace. so much friends for joining us for this episode of the protect your noggin podcast you want to join in on the conversation we'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show you can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button and don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending you can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said that wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter long too much.